In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers podcast. I'm really excited today to um, be here with someone who's going to talk to us about using crowdsourcing to deliver um, business benefits and business results. And um, as a digital immigrant and not a digital native, I'll have to say that's very intriguing to me. So I'm really excited. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But first of all, I want to say how grateful I am that uh, all of you that are listening have pushed all the right buttons so you could join us today on the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers podcast. And the Oil & Gas Global Network is the oil and gas industry's largest community of podcasting. And there's about uh, 13 or so, depending upon the day, there might be slightly different numbers, but there's about 13 or 14 different podcasts. And so check out some of the others. But today, we're glad that you're here with the Digital Doers. And uh, the reason we can actually be here and have this conversation today is because of our sponsor, HPE. And if you get a chance, uh, reach out to those guys or go take a look at their website, hpe.com. And they're doing some really cool things and uh, some very, uh, very great things to improve your productivity. And if you get a chance, take a look at their, their newest kind of platform, and it's their, what they call their edge to cloud platform, and it's called GreenLake. And it's all about bringing the cloud to you. And the GreenLake, or HPE, has the widest portfolio of on-premise cloud services and over 12 years of consumption-based experience. So go take a look there and learn about the cloud that comes to you. And so with that, I want to introduce my guest today. I'm here with Andrew Abbott, who I'm quite excited to say. He, he flew here to be with us from Boston. And uh, we're sitting here in, uh, on a beautiful day in Houston. Not sure when you'll be listening, but we're pretty happy here in Houston right now. It's uh, the next to the last day of September, and our, I think our highs today were in the 80s. So I'm here with Andrew, and we're going to talk a little bit about, as I said, um, his company, which is Top Coder. And Andrew is the global head of sales for Top Coder. And Andrew has been in uh, this, this digital type of business for uh, over 20 years. Um, he started his career as a developer, and then he kind of quickly evolved to focusing on customer success, strategic growth, and delivery. And um, he now, like I said, is the, uh, he's a graduate of Boston University, which is, uh, uh, is that, no, excuse me, Boston College. I'm glad you corrected that, yes. Joanne. That's a very important distinction. That is a f those are fighting words, I suspect. So uh, let me let me make sure it's Boston College, and uh, we're really glad to have him with us today. So Andrew, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit more. Anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself and your career? Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. It's a pleasure. Uh, like you said, I'm based out of Boston, but I was uh, really excited to to come to the Houston area, not only to talk to you, but to uh, just be in the, uh, the land of oil and gas where a lot of uh, success stories Top Coders had in the past is with organizations in this field. So we're always excited to be back here. 
In fact, we had uh, one of our top coder opens. That's our yearly event where we bring all our developers in and have on-site competitions to show who's the best. Several years ago, it was, we were lucky enough to have it hosted in Houston and had a lot of oil and gas uh, companies represented. So I'm excited to be back here and join you. Okay, so that sounds like, what is, that, that was called what? That's the Top Coder Open. The so Top Coder Open. Top Coder Open is our yearly event held on site, COVID, when COVID doesn't allow, allows us to. Right. That throughout our year on our platform, we're running challenges and, and, and competitions. A lot of it is to build work for our customers, which we'll talk about. Other is competitive programming. But what we do is on our platform is allow our members who could be designers, developers, data scientists to compete and prove who's the top coder. In fact, that's really where we started back 20 years ago as a, a talent site where people could compete to prove their objective quality. So we, that's where we started. That's in our DNA. So every year, the winners, whoever accumulated the most points throughout the year is oh, flown on site to one of our events. It's kind of our community event, also our trade show, where we bring our customers in as Got well, it. talk a lot about innovation, because that's deep in our DNA. So it's a very exciting part of, for us every year to, to see the faces of people who have you know, spent a lot of time and actually made their livelihood in our platform, and get to recognize them and see them compete. And we did it in Houston just not too long ago. Yeah, so that sounds pretty exciting, which kind of gets us into, tell us a little bit um, about what Top Coder does. Um, what makes you different from some of the other guys and girls that are in this game? That's a great question. And a long one, so I, I'm going to hold you accountable to keeping me in line, <laughs> okay. Joanne. Okay. okay. So first of all, we are an open innovation platform, uh, a digital marketplace for on-demand talent. So we have 1.6, nearing 1.7 million members. These are folks from across the world. Literally, we have members in every country we're allowed to by the U.S. State Department. And on our platform, our members can compete to deliver outcomes for our customers. So that itself sounds different, but I'll, I'll double-click a little bit. So what is really different about us is with TopCoder, unlike most organizations, they have talent. You're either hiring that talent or you're acquiring that talent and it's a named resource you're using. Maybe it's Staffog, maybe it's outsourcing. It's a named resource. With TopCoder, what's really different about us is we're an outcome model. And what an outcome model means is customers don't pay for the hours to get work delivered on our platform. They pay for the successful delivery of the outcomes. So an example would be, I want to build a widget. You could hire that person to build the widget, but that has some challenges. One, I gotta make sure I have that skill set available. Maybe it's a new fancy widget platform, and that's not always trivial, so I have to find the talent. Or you I, have to wait for someone in your staff to gain the knowledge to, to, to be able to do that. Exactly, you either yeah. have to find it, yeah. or you have to build it, yeah. but it all yeah. takes time. Sure. It also takes money, yeah. particularly when you're talking about these really niche skills that all your competitors are fighting over, and that drives up the, the price of talent. Sure. So in an outcome model, we, it is uh, fundamentally different. Instead of looking for someone and working with them to deliver that work, you define your need, or we help you define your need. 
we put that on our platform, and experts from across the globe are going to self-select to compete to solve your problem. So whenever your problem is needed, you put it on our platform, and we tell our customers within 24 hours, your work is now in front of experts who are competing to solve that problem. In the traditional story, you might not even writ finish writing up your job description or the email you're going to send to your vendor partners to try to find the body. So we take that work, people compete, and the competition is really the fundamental part of what drives TopCoder. Our members self-select, compete to deliver the best version of the customer's outcome. And we have processes that evaluate it. Some of the stuff is subjective of our customers come in, but ultimately, our customers only pay when that outcome is delivered. So it doesn't matter if 10 hours, 50 hours, hundreds of hours were uh, used by people across the globe to deliver that. The customer only pays the price they agreed to upfront. One that has been successfully delivered. If it hasn't, they don't pay. So it really is a fundamental change in terms of how we access talent. So aside from just that main difference, it, that difference actually has a lot of values to customers. The first one I kind of alluded to was that speed, right. right? Instead of having to find that person, I can just take this work, throw it over to the, right. on the platform, and people in the world who have that skill are competing. And we have a ton of really high-end niche skills represented on our platform. So some of the more coveted ones we see currently are you know, the, the JavaScript frameworks uh, a, um, that drive a lot of the new modern development, obviously mobile application platforms, but a big one is data science or data analytics. Certainly that's a big one from our experience in oil and gas. And instead of fighting over these really, really difficult to hire resources. And keep, even if you can hire them. Yeah. And, and the other thing is a lot of these folks don't want to work for you. And I don't mean that personally, but they don't want to work for anyone. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And that mentality has even increased with the younger generations as we've seen with, as the gig economy is more organic to, to folks who have grown up in the last five or 10 years. Right. So. And I, just, I don't want to make a point here. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. But on the flip side of that, what I really like about your model is the flip side of that is you are creating access to very uh, high paying, lucrative uh, jobs for people that may be in locations where they can't often access that. That is absolutely true. And, and you know, for many of the people we work with, that's probably the most fun of the job, is we, hearing the journeys yeah. and the opportunities that people get who are, you know, all they have is an internet connection. Right. And not only are they getting opportunities, but there's a lot of learning that yeah. they are able to do. Right. So sorry I interrupted you. But no, no, but I think that's actually great because one of the things that I think is fun is and, and unique is it, it's really a virtuous, everybody wins in the sense that the customer who just wants talent, they, want, they have things they need to solve. They have the resources to do it. They just want to get it done. They can go to a platform like TopCoder and have real tangible benefits that are selfish, if you will. But what they're also doing is now these uh, same things that they're getting done are opportunities right. uh, for people across the globe. And at the end of it all, it's a meritocracy. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you went to school, what your background is, your race, your creed, yeah. your color. If you're the best solution, you win. And guess what? The customer wins because that's what they're after in the first place. Yeah. So I do, I'm glad you brought that up only because I, 
in my role, it's often talking about customer, customer, yeah. customer. Yeah. But really, it's a, a two-sided yeah. marketplace where, which fun is that when it's working right, everybody's benefiting. Yeah. You know, the opportunity for the folks who need it and the tangible value, that's and oftentimes delivered faster, better, cheaper than traditional models. What's not to like? Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I thought that I think that's I, I think that's a really fascinating. Um, so I brought this up um, we, when we had an earlier conversation. But your model, the way it makes sense to me, is a little bit like Uber. Right. So when I'm needing a ride, right, I can use my app and I can say I need to go over, you know, to the airport. And only those people that are interested in working right now and taking me to the airport raise their hand and say, I'll be there, right? And that's kind of what is going on with you, Top Coder. Absolutely. I mean, yep. it's hard for us not to use that analogy. I know. No, I, no, it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, I laugh yeah. because my coworker and I were talking to a potential new hire. Yeah. What do you, how do you describe Top Coder? And the first sentence is often, well, it's like Uber for technology. Yeah, so, that's, that's what it, Joanne, you're in good those, company with yeah, that. The, those of us with, with more simple minds have, <laughs> have to find those models. But, but uh, and I, you know, I, I just, there is a, an elegance, I think, about a model like that, which is when people need something, you find the person that's willing to deliver it, has the skills and the capability, and everybody's kind of happier right? As opposed to, I mean, just think about the conversation that's really raging right now around the fact that many folks don't want to come back to the office. And I'm not trying to make a decision on whether that's good or bad. I'm saying it just is. And so, um, you know, there, you, you get the, this model, this outcome model, uh, you know, kind of um, creates that environment um, by the way it's designed. So I love that. So tell me a little bit, because it sounds like uh, you mentioned a capability or th that I, I hadn't really thought of, but you don't just design and develop, you also provide some analytical services. Absolutely. So we really, yeah, we, we like to think that we're the, one of the few, if only crowdsourcing company that does the full software development lifecycle. So yeah, as you said, design, concept design, develop, test, and then we're part of Wipro. So we also have the, our parent company, we can leverage for the traditional SI services model to augment our model and make it even more powerful for stuff like last mile integration, post-production support, et cetera. But data science has actually been a place, or analytics has been a place that's been part of TopCoder from the very beginning. So when we were trying to build TopCoder in its early instance, which is about identifying talent, one of the mechanisms we used to identify talent was and, and allow developers to measure and rank themselves via these competitions was running competitive programming. So a lot of competitive programming at its core is algorithm optimization, which are really the underpinning a lot of what data science and analytics is. So we've had that baked in from the beginning and a lot of the most, I would say the preponderance of the really extreme customer success stories we tell where the value is really uh, extreme is, is in the data science space because that is where, one, the talent is most difficult to find. So, you know, customers are, there's a lot of need around those muscles. But also we found that we have just attracted a really high-end community of data scientists from across the world. 
Um, one of the people who has been a, uh, a winner for us uh, also works at SpaceX, and he helps do the steering of the rockets. <laughs> we have people who have... Who probably understands analyzing data quite well. Yeah, <laughs> I, think he, I think he's pretty good at it. Uh, one of our, our, another big competitor is a founder of a, an AI company called Pony AI that's doing all sorts of autonomous vehicle stuff. So these are people who are super smart, often have day jobs, but they love doing what they're good at. They love solving hard problems. And our customers get the benefit because they couldn't hire these people if they wanted to. But they can come to a platform like Topcoder. Again, another virtuous pairing, right? The customer has the need. We have these quality technical folks who want the opportunity to compete, to win, to learn. And again, the, so on both sides of the equation, uh, there's benefit. And then ultimately, the customer benefits by getting real extreme outcomes. And the competition actually is, plays a, a great role in the data science when it comes to stuff like optimization. So a lot of that analytics space is to say, how, how, how far can we push this particular technique, this probability? How do we you know, uh, push this to its limits? In our competition mode, we, one of our signature challenges in the data science space, we call a marathon match. And it is what it sounds like. It's a long-form programming challenge, typically the last three weeks. But what happens is that over that period, people are continually competing against each other. And we, what we do is we have a live scoreboard and live scoring. So someone will have a version of their algorithm. They'll submit it. Almost real time, we execute that algorithm against a data set. It goes on the leaderboard, and they see where they are against their competitors. Now, of course, all the other competitors see what the new leading score is. <laughs> and now I've got to go back and optimize mine. Ah. So what happens is that these, you first of all get smart people doing really cool things, but now they're trying to beat each other. Right. So that means they have to keep being curious, try different techniques, combining different techniques, burning the midnight oil, because I want to be the one standing at the top. So it's, it's fun to watch, actually. They get a lot of pleasure out of it because it is, it's competition. But meanwhile, every time there's a new winning score, we've eked out another level of performance that benefits the customer. The, the client, yeah. So we've had some examples. You know, years ago, there was one where there was some processing of data around the human genome. And I believe we optimized it like 98%. Wow. So it's, and oil and gas has been, there's a lot of good stories of, of uh, of our data science analytic work in the oil and gas space. Um, and it, so it really has lended itself, maybe paradoxically to some, it really lends itself well to competition because yeah. it, a lot of that is that optimization angle, as well as the fact that those are, you know, that's one angle. I want to get to the best possible outcome. The other value folks see with our community in spaces like data science is you can get a lot of different opinions from a lot of diverse perspectives. So maybe you have a team of folks who are pretty good, you're comfortable with them, but you know, they know what they know. How do you know what they're missing? Customers often run challenges with top coder with the intent of trying to get a, a, a bunch of different point of views on how to solve a problem. Because what we find is often in a domain, there's a certain type of thinking that kind of gets entrenched. People are using the same techniques to solve the same types of problems. And with top coder, we've often found that some of the most exciting breakthroughs happen when people from different domains are looking at a problem differently right. because they have a different point of view. Yeah. But what that different approach does is unlock an insight or, or a, it levels up an uh, ability to 
improve a result or a prediction right. or an optimization. So customers will often use our community because they want to get a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So it, we have some challenges, one of our shorter challenges, an ideation challenge in data science where customers can run a, run a piece of work and in two weeks get a, a series of white papers from data scientists across the globe wow. with their point of view. And then they can leverage that to, sometimes it might just be, hey, we feel good about the course we were on. It's a, it's a point of... It's a validation. Of it's a validation. Yeah. But other points, it becomes, wait a second, there's other things here. And now uh -huh. before you've gone too far, you've widened yep. your perspective and it allows you to be, yeah. hopefully move faster to your goal. Yeah. I always like to say there's, there's value in when you're thinking and problem solving and creative thinking, I guess. And I always find a lot of value in um, kind of, um, I'm trying to digress or diverge, excuse me, before you converge. And so it sounds like that's uh, Top Coder's a great way to do some of that diverging. I, I laugh because we actually have one of our slides in our, one of our older data science decks was very much around <laughs> that exact yeah. concept because it really is, first, we got to find the right problem to solve. Yeah. Which is a problem unto itself. In many cases, that's the most important one because that sets your course, that sets your, your yeah. direction. And then the second part becomes, how do we solve this problem the right way? Right. And right. Top Coder can solve, Top Coder can provide value to both parts of those activities right. for customers. Right. Well, I do think, you know, there's two levels here, well, a lot of levels, but there's certainly a couple that come out. So I do think it's not uncommon. It's easy for particularly some of the larger, very successful oil and gas companies. They develop a very well-defined culture. And I would like to say probably within that, there's a lot of uh, tried and true uh, with a lot of success ways they've always done things. And so being able to get even outside of that and have that outside perspective is huge. And then on top of that, and we've seen some of this in the last couple of decades, is this notion that even going outside the industry and looking at what other industries. I mean, I think about, you know, the, a lot of the lean manufacturing uh, that, that many uh, upstream oil and gas companies, that's what I'm most familiar with, uh, that they have adopted. Um, and that came outside, you know, from outside of the oil and gas industry. So you can get that, these different levels of this different thinking. Um, so I think that's, that's obviously, I got to believe, really valuable. Yeah, one of the techniques we use is when our customers giving us their problem is often trying to deliberately abstract away the domain part and, and, and kind of just convey it via the math. Because what happens is once people see certain nouns and verbs, it, it leads to a, a yeah. certain leads way of thinking. It leads to a tunnel thinking, right? We, but, yeah. but from the vast majority of these, underneath it all, it's all numbers, it's, it's all math. math. Yeah. And then you, you, <laughs> yeah. you put these problems in front of a lot of really smart uh, mathematicians or, or analysts and they're going to use their, their they're they're going to look at the problem and solve it with what their experiences are, right? Which very much, yeah. You know, even if it's, uh, like I said, if it's similar to what you're doing, it can give you that kind of vote of confidence, right? If not, it allows you to to widen your yeah, points of view to consider yeah. something. Yeah, excellent. So, can you think of a particular client success story, maybe that has has stuck with you or or was particularly interesting? Well, there are two that jump off the bat. They're not oil and gas, so I will give you an oil and okay. gas one at the end. But, but these let's are, do this. Yeah. These are fun ones. Yeah. One of them does have a local bend. So we recently completed a challenge for NASA. Okay. NASA has been a customer of Top Coders for over a decade. And we've done a lot of cool stuff with them. Down to back in the day, we wrote an algorithm that helped optimize the positioning 
of the radar, the solar panels on the International Space okay, Station. Okay, so that just sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's when my, as a sales guy, a lot of the out-of-the-world results yeah, there you go, stuff come right. in. Uh, we've done other stuff around optimizing the way they can pack, how much they can pack because space is so precious. A lot of similar stories, but one of the ones we just did recently, which is particularly cool, is it was called the Asteroid Hunter or the Comet Hunter. And uh, in the 80s, NASA launched a satellite that was all around trying to study the sun. It's been one of their most successful missions. I take their word for it. <laughs> I can't say personally. But you haven't evaluated that personally. Yes, I haven't quite got to that one. <laughs> but um, what they, at one point they realized, you know, they, they're, they're always trying to just chart everything that's out there. And, and comets being one of the key things because of, uh, you know, everything from the safety of Earth to, you know, comets, or some argue, you know, life on Earth may have started with comets here and blah, blah, blah. So they, you know, they've always been trying to map them and they, they have all this footage of this satellite looking at the sun and, you know, they realize you can kind of see things coming across that. So they wanted to see if there was ways to develop an algorithm to use this potential set of data, uh, cameras at the sun, and cameras is probably simplifying what these things are. <laughs> that for, for my simple mind, thank yeah, you. <laughs> for both of our simple minds. Um, but ultimately, they wanted to, to see what else was out there. Are there more comets? So they engaged us. Uh, we ran a challenge, and, and the top quarter community found two comets. So truly, th cool. this is That's NASA, so cool. Space Age, you know, the brightest of the Brighton, and they've long realized that there's value to crowd, they, the value to innovating with, with uh, diverse perspectives. And in this case, we were able to help them uh, find a, a few comets. Comets. Okay, so that is that is cool. I, I was, you know, it's not a James Webb story, but it, you know, <laughs> close. Another one, and this is a really cool one, just because of, you know, kind of the impact it ha can have on lives, is related to a work we did with the Harvard Medical School around lung tumors. So, again, I'm going to step into a topic I know very little about, but apparently, lung tumors are particularly difficult to treat. Because the nature of lungs, you know, with their bronchioles, there's a lot of nooks and crannies, very technical words, <laughs> that are just re really complex because what happens is the lung tumor can grow into all these spaces. And ultimately, the biggest way they treat these lung tumors is by shooting radiation via these lasers at them. But what's critical is about defining the perimeter of where the healthy tissue ends and the, and the bad tissue begins. Okay. Because ultimately, what you want that laser to do is be destroying the bad tissue and, leaving and not the good, the good tissue. Yeah, right. So this was apparently, or is apparently, a very difficult challenge, and there's literally a handful of, of physicians or surgeons who are qualified to do this. They wanted to find if there was ways to do this through technology. So they had a program with us, and I believe it was over three challenges, long-form marathon match challenges. We developed an algorithm that detects was able to trace the perimeter of a lung tumor as well as these top dozen um, surgeons in the world. People could yeah. actually, yeah. So I believe at the time, it was believed to be one of the first, you know, kind of artificial, artificial intelligence medical solutions um, for this type of problem. So those are just kind of, you know, whether, wow. whether it be in space or like, you know, saving Our, lives, right. it's hard not to navigate that. Yeah. Now, Sounds but great. I will bring it home for Houston here with an oil and gas great. story. So. This is not as sexy, but I just think it's a kind of a cool story <laughs> because of it's kind of the ultimate digital transformation. So this is related to mud logs. Again, I told you it wasn't sexy. Yeah. But right. um, important know, though. It's an important part of of you know oil and gas. And there's a 
they have historical records of these mud logs going back wow. years. And there's a ton of value in that, but they're all written yeah. by humans and really hard to decipher. So they engaged us, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say the customer name, so uh, I'll, I'll leave it vague, but you know, let's just say they're, they have a zip code near the one we have. Okay. Um, and we were able to develop a solution that combined OCR with machine learning to help create a solution to be able to take these analog mud files, mud log files, and digitize them, and then be able to, once digitized, give you the framework to be able to pull insights out of. Okay, I have a question. Go right ahead. Sorry, OCR. Oh, uh, optical? optical character recognition. Got it. So Got in it. this case, is you have people literally standing next to the, the drills, next to the wells. The mud comes up, they're making annotations. They're seeing, they're, yep. Yeah, and yep. you can imagine these are not exactly people who are writing very clearly. And, well, and, and it's dirty. And they it's might dirty. have gloves on, and yeah. I uh, get it. So it was a combination of you know, optical character recognition, machine learning, as okay. well as some human intervention. Okay. And we were able to build a solution that helped them save equivalent of 50 years of manpower in wow. terms of what it would have taken to, to, uh, to digitize these uh, files manually versus through our solution. So, and, and then getting some insights out of what they see from well to well to well in a particular area and what's coming up on the cuttings and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, and I think there's, I mean, from what we've seen in oil and gas, there is so much data. There is so much both historical data and new data that it's a place that's been ripe for innovation. And, and one of the things I've been impressed with is, uh, you know, I, it may not be obvious to the outsider, but just how technology-driven the oil and gas industry is. You know, I think wow. the initial imagery I have is the, the real strong guy at the well doing really hard things. But from our experience, and that's obviously a, a big part of it, but there's a lot of, you know, really smart people doing really interesting things. Trying it, it, to continue to leverage, I think, technology. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's really some of the more forward-thinking folks are here in oil and gas, and okay. I don't know if people have that, that impression. Wow. I think that's great to think about it that way. Um, well, so I think that's fascinating. That's, it's, it's really interesting, like I said, I, it, on so many levels, um, you know, this crowdsourcing. I, I, I'm uh, completely ignorant, in the pure sense of the word, about using, you know, crowdsourcing um, in this way, and it just seems like it's just kind of huge. Yeah, I was at one interesting that a, a, a hidden value of crowdsourcing through Topcoder. So, what we always talk about is one, the skill. If you don't have the skill, instead of having to hire it, you can get outcomes from that skill from our community and move faster, right? Second one is scale. You know, we have 1.6 million people. We can help scale to solve your problem quicker than if you're doing it without us. Um, but the other one I, I like a lot, and it's, it's more relevant to our customers probably today than it was six months ago, is it's not only on-demand, but it's off-demand. And what I mean is that it's, it's, we're a resilient partner because, you know, it's unpredictable. If, every given project we've worked on is unpredictable. What you thought was going to be available today is not available for a month. You know, programs, portfolios, companies are unpredictable. And then, of course... The world we live in is unpredictable. So whether you're having a global pandemic or potentially a recession coming, you know, you have to be smart about where you're spending your dollars. And with Topcoder, because one, the outcome, it's, you know, it's outcome driven. Whatever your dollars are going to, it's, it's only because you've accepted those outcomes. So, those, right. so uh, there's a higher uh, value to those dollars that are spent. But also 
we're not, the, when you don't need us, we're not there because yeah. you got your outcome. Right. Now, if you'd hired that data scientists at that top dollar amount, right. great, you've gotten your first result. Now what? Right. Now you have a potential bench problem. So with a top coder, when organizations have to work a little smarter, maybe they have to, they have less people, but no one's getting their targets lowered. Right. right? Everybody still has right. to deliver. Right. Top coder can be a unique partner because they can scale quickly when they need to. Right. But they know when they don't need us. Right. The cost controls are yeah, there. Yeah, they, they, you go so, away. You yeah. go away. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's a, you know, the, the simplest yeah. analogy being the faucet. Yeah. But, um, you know, in these times when, you know, we don't know what next month is going to bring, having a partner that you know, hey, if I have to pause on this, I just don't run that next challenge. I yeah. just don't run that next outcome. Right. I don't have people here that I have to manage and worry about keeping busy or, or not getting my value out of. Yeah, right. Do something else. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think... The world increase, it's, it's not becoming any less variable, the world in general. Regardless of what it is, it doesn't seem like it's becoming less variable. You know, the other thing, I had a, a Vicky Knott um, on the, the, the program, uh, an episode, I can't remember her episode, but uh, she was a co-founder of an organization called Crux OCM. And um, it had to do with kind of uh, an autopilot um, that was in your control rooms, your kind of industrial control room. So it was kind of a cool concept. But, you know, she was very upfront. And she was very young, very talented. Uh, but she was very upfront about saying, um, this is nothing, uh, I'm not, this is no secret that I'm letting out of the bag here, but it is becoming increasingly difficult for the oil and gas industry to attract talent. It's very competitive to get these kind of resources um, and to get them to come and stay. Um, it's, it's just going to be tough for a lot of reasons. And, um, and so this, this notion that you have a, and, and so her, her um, hypothesis was the way that the oil and gas industry was going to be able to access that talent was probably not from bringing them into these large, big organizations in roles that have been around for decades, that it is probably going to be something like coming to a top coder or to her company, where there is uh, a little more, oh my gosh, digital savviness, um, understanding about uh, what's exciting and fulfilling to these folks and a little more comfort perhaps with some of the more modern ways of working. And that was her hypothesis. And so it, you know, just strikes me that what you guys have got going on, obviously a top coder is another huge resource. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, from a very simplistic view, I feel like if I'm a, a company, I want to be exploring every Avenue. Yeah. You know, intersourcing, outsourcing and now right. crowdsourcing. So right. to me, I don't know why you'd want to limit yourself and your access to talent in any way, because it, when you, when you start limiting your options, you know, there, there are predictable results. So I think all organizations can benefit just from as differentiated sourcing strategy as they if possible. You should be using the right partners for the right problems at the right times. at the right times. That's just a good business. Yep. But I think you're right. There are certain industries. And maybe, you know what? I would say this. Maybe oil and gas is probably not alone. I think there's just, you know, whether I think it be, that's right. Yeah, I think oil and gas may be 
Yeah, I, I can see where there are some additional attributes that maybe inform them or separate them a little different. Right. But I think ultimately... There's a lot of industrial kind of age. I, I think that's right. At the end of the day, you know, um, you have problems to solve. There are people who want to solve those problems. And it's just about being open to, to explore different ways to access that talent. To solve problems. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, oil and gas, like I said, a credit to them is that, you know, we've had, like I said, we had enough customers in the oil and gas industries in this town to, to want to run our yearly event here. So yeah. it speaks to, you know, this was four or five years ago. I think the, it's only exacerbated, one, because the younger generations, I, it's not about an, a, a lack of affinity to oil and gas. They just want to be where they want to be when right. they want to be. Yeah, and and that, that goes for a lot of traditional yeah. uh, uh, customers. Yeah. But also now in the, um, uh, and now post-COVID, where people have gotten a taste of working a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, many people who, you know, who have a value or a perceived value are just going to have higher standards about what, right. what their life is going to be like. And everybody's got to adapt to that. I don't yep. care what industry you're in. Yep. And so um, thank you very much for being here today. I think this was a fascinating uh, conversation. I could go on for another two hours, but I think your listeners, your listenership would drop off the well, cliff. Well, there's one thing we could do is we could always do this again. We could do this again sometime. That would be my pleasure. And um, so tell me, when is this next big open? Great question. Well, it is coming up in November. The unfortunate news was we did have to move it virtual this year. We were really excited to do it in Boston. I was personally excited. <laughs> I actually had no say over the decision, but I, I, I was happy about it. But ultimately, we found that only like less than 30% of our members who had been selected because of COVID and visa restrictions weren't going to be able to make it. Still struggling to be able to travel. Yeah. And given it's a member event, to to run it without, with the vast majority of the people were, the event was meant to recognize right. and not be able there. It, it was a hard decision, but we felt like the right one. So we're still doing it. We're doing it virtual this year. Okay. So it's when you say virtual, can other people that aren't involved actually view it? Or? Oh, absolutely. In okay. fact, maybe what I'll do, uh, Joanne, is I'll share some links and when Perfect. you can push it out to your network. Yeah. So we do, uh, we do have uh, a bunch of stuff that's available for people Great. to watch. Um, you know, some of the competitions we even do online. Great. It's actually kind of an interesting thing to watch people competitively program. You would think it's, a bunch of people typing at a keyboard, <laughs> and it really is. But um, th there is still some excitement about it, particularly in the design space where you see people, uh, you can watch these designers like literally doing uh, crazy things, you wow. know, in, in real time. So it's an interesting event. I'll share the link out. And so if you, yeah, give me the links and we will put them in the show notes. So Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. coming up, I think, the second week, of November 13th, 14th, Excellent. and 15th. I'll share the links and we'd we'll be, we'll be thrilled to see uh, any OGGN listeners. Great. Great. To join us. Yeah, that, I think that sounds kind of fascinating. I'm just curious. Um, I'm just kind of curious to see it. But uh, So thank you again, Andrew. Thank you, Joanne. And um, so we're going to sign off here, but uh, I don't want to do that before once again. I say thank you to all of you for joining in today and listening to Andrew Abbott of Top Coder. And also to, one more time, I want to mention HPE. Uh, they've done a great job at uh, um, making it possible so we can have these really meaningful conversations. So with that, I'll sign off and see you guys uh, at the next episode. So long. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. 
Learn more at OGGN.com.